السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته. بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم. إن الحمد لله. نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره. ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا. إنه من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له. وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له. وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد فإن أصدق الحديث كتاب الله تعالى وخير الهدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم وشر الأمور محدثاتها وكل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار أما بعد Brothers and sisters in Islam Our topic today is about the Quran O Ummah of the Qur'an, this Ummah came into being by this book. The source of its strength is in this book. Before Islam, what was the situation in Arabia? The Arabs, they were killing each other. They were ignored. No one knows anything about them in their island, in their peninsula. And in few years, they were killing themselves for silly reasons. War will start and erupt between them, and it will last for years, whether for because of it is a camel or because of a race between two horses. That was the situation of the Arabs before Islam. They were burying their daughters alive. They were alcoholic. All the shameful deeds they were committing. And in few years, this Quran transformed their lives and turned them into civilized nations and refined their characters. In few years, they spread Islam around the corner of the earth. Rabbi ibn Amr, he stands in front of the commander of the Persians and he tells him we are sent by Allah we are revived and we are sent forth to lead the people out of the darkness into the light of Islam and from the narrowness of this mundane and worldly life into the vastness of the hereafter and from the worship of human beings into the worship of the true Lord and God. <coughs> See what the Quran did to Rabi and made him pronounce and articulate such beautiful words. The Quran is the word of Allah in the literal sense, the real sense. Allah spoke the Quran. This is the belief of Ahl Sunnah al That Allah spoke it. So when you read the Quran, indeed you are reading the speech of Allah. Allah is talking to you. That's why in the books of Aqidah they say, Al Quran kalamullahi minhu bada wa ilayhi ya'ud. 
Quran is the word of Allah. From him started and it's going back to him. As we read in the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, that a time will come when one night this Quran will be removed, will be taken away from the breasts and the books. Will be taken away. People will get up in the morning. Those who had the Quran in their memories, it's not there. They open the books, they will not find any letter. It's taken away. That's what will happen. So this book, the Quran, which is the word of Allah, as Allah described it, Alif Lam Ra, Kitabun Uhkimat Ayatuhu. ثُمَّ فُصِّلَتْ مِنْ لَدُنْ حَكِيمًا خَبِيلًا الف And of course these letters, you know, what we call them, disjointed letters. الف لام را كاف هايا عين صاد قاف الف لام There are various and different opinions among the interpreters and mufassirun. But the common one, which is, inshallah, the most authentic opinion, that these are the alphabets, these are letters known to the Arabs. The Arabs, they know what's the meaning of Alif and the Lam and Mim. But they are not used to this style or this pattern of speech that you articulate or you uh, address them and by letters. So the purpose of this is to draw their attention. This is something new to them. So the moment an Arab hears Alif Lamim, so this is something will will force him to listen. What does this Alif Lam mean? So he will listen. He will lend you his ear. Then the message will come. So it's the purpose is that to draw their attention and then to force them to listen. Listen, number one. Number two, that the Quran is, has challenged the Arabs and telling them that this Quran consists of these letters which you know. Can you produce something like it? It is consisting... It's made up of these letters which are known to you. Can you produce something like it? And of course, you know that they failed miserably. And, and they didn't meet the challenge that the Quran made. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, Alif Lam Ra. This is a book with verses basic or fundamental. This is Ayat Muhkamat. These are the basics that we refer other verses to it. As we mentioned today in the talk. When Allah says, It's we that who reveal the scripture or the reminder. And it's us who is going to preserve it and protect it. And the Christian, they said, this is, supports the doctrine of Holy Trinity. We, we, Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Okay. So when an ayah, 
carries more than one meaning. This they call it mutashab. And when it has only one unique meaning, it's called muhkam. And Allah told us in Surah Ali Imran that those who have a disease in their hearts, they will leave the muhkam and follow the mutashab. Because there is a disease in their heart. And the correct way to understand the ayah, which is mutashabah, which has more than one meaning, is to put it next to the ayah that has only one meaning. Then the meaning will become clear. So this ayah, put it next to the ayah where Allah says, وَإِلَهُكُمْ إِلَهُمْ وَاحِدٌ So the meaning becomes very clear. That the plurality in that ayah is the plurality of respect. Allah is praising himself. That's why he used the plural, plural pronoun. And that's known in the languages. I think in English they call royal we or something like that. So Allah is praising himself. And the best way when you are reading the Quran is to explain the Quran by the Quran. That's the best methodology. And one of the scholars who passed away, Rahimahullah, Shaykh Shankiti, the one who wrote Abwa al-Bayan, Tafsir al-Quran bil-Quran. So the Quran explains itself. For instance, Allah says regarding the Quran, Inna anzalnahu fi laylatin mubarak. Verily we have revealed this book, the Quran, on a blessed night. What is this blessed night? It's explained there, إِنَّ أَنزَلْنَاهُ فِي لَيْلَةِ الْقَدْرِ So the blessed night, it is Laylatul So the Quran explains itself. And that's the way that you should understand the Quran. So there are basic or fundamental muhkamat, which they should be the criteria, or we refer the other surahs, verses to it further explained in detail from one who is wise and well acquainted with all things. Also Allah says, وَإِنَّهُ لَتَنزِيلُ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ نَزَلَ بِهُ الرُّوحِ الْأَمِينَ عَلَىٰ قَلْبِكَ لِتَكُونَ مِنَ الْمُنْذِرِينَ بِلِسَانٍ عَرَبِيٍ مُبِينَ So this book has been sent down by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Verily, this is a revelation from the Lord of the worlds. With it came down the spirit of faith and truth. That is a title for Jibreel salam. Jibreel is the one who comes down with the wahi, with the revelation. To your, to your heart and mind that you may admonish. This Quran, brothers and sisters, if we adhere ourselves to its teachings, we will never go astray. We will never go astray. Because that's what the Prophet ﷺ promised. تَرَقْتُ فِيكُمْ مَا إِنْ تَمَسَّكْتُمْ بِهِمَا لَنْ تَضُلُّ بَعْدِ Kitab Allah wa Sunnah. Two things I have left among you. If you grip them, hold them firmly, you will not go astray. The Book of Allah and the Sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. So you need to hold this robe of Allah. 
and to stick to the robe of Allah, which is the book of Allah. The Prophet ﷺ one day, he drew a straight line. And then on both sides, he drew short lines. And then he read this ayah. وَأَنَّ هَذَا صِرَاطِ مُسْتَقِيمًا فَاتَّبِعُوهُ وَلَا تَبْتَبِعُوا السُّبُلَ فَتَفَرَّقَ بِكُمْ عَنْ سَبِيلَهِ ذَلِكُمْ وَصَّاكُمْ هِي لَعَلَّكُمْ فَاتَّقُونَ Which means, after he drew that straight line, he read this ayah, this is my straight path, so follow it, follow not other ways, lest these ways be parted from his way. These ways will lead you astray, will take you away. This has ordained for you that you may ward off evil. So the way of Allah is only one way. And the way to the Jannah is only one way. And these shortcuts, the branches, the Prophet ﷺ, he said, These shortcuts, they are the ways of deviation. Every exit will take you to help Allah. عَلَىٰ كُلِّ سَبِيلٍ شَيْطَانٍ At the entrance of this shortcut, the branch, there is a shaytan. So the way to the Jannah is only one way. And it is a long way and it is a straight line. And you'll find some Muslims, they tell you that the Prophet ﷺ hears in this hadith, he says that the Jannah is at the end of this line. And there are many people are telling you, and the way of the truth is only one. The way to the truth is only one. And if I and some Muslims, they tell you, the ways to the truth and to the haqq, they are as many as the spirits of mankind. And they portray this and depict it by a circle. And they, they tell you that the ways, the truth is in the center of the circle. So how many ways are there to reach the center? Tell me. As many as the points on the circumference. So the ways to the center, they are infinite. In other words, the ways to the truth, they are infinite. Infinite. They're not limited. And the Prophet ﷺ is saying, the way to the Jannah is only one way. So whom should we follow? Of course the Prophet ﷺ. So don't be deceived by those who attribute themselves and who claim that they are Muslims. So the Prophet ﷺ, he made it very clear. He said, this is the way to the Jannah. And it's only one way. The hadith, of course, is in the Musnad and Mustadrak al-Hakim. Also, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told us, إِنَّ هَذَا الْقُرْآنَ يَهْدِي لِلَّتِي هِيَ أَقْوَمُ وَيُبَشِّرِ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ الَّذِينَ يَعْمَلُونَ الصَّالِحَاتِ أَنَّ لَهُمْ أَجْرًا كَبِيرًا This Qur'an, verily this Qur'an, does guide to that which is most right. If you follow this book, it will guide you to that which is most right. You will not be misled. 
and gives the glad tidings. This book, the Quran, when you read Alif Lam Mim, Alif Lam Mim, three letters. That is 30 Hasana. That is 30 Hasana. La aqulu Alif Lam Mim Harf, walakin Alfun Harf, walamun Harf, wa Mimun Harf. I don't say that Alf Lam Mim is one letter. No, Alif is a letter, Lam is a letter, and Mim is a letter. For every letter you read, you'll get 10 Hasana. So, you should not forsake reading the Quran as we're going to know. Finally, this Quran does guide to that which is most right and gives the glad tidings to the believers. If you adhere yourself and follow the instructions of this book, it will lead you to what pleases Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you will be delivered and you'll be saved. So this Quran conveys glad news to the believers who do work and who do good deeds, that they shall have magnificent reward. Also Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, There's no doubt in this Quran. See the missionaries, and they are of course, who are feeding them with the with the information of the Orientalists. The, the one, the vote, those who are supporting and backing up the missionaries are the Orientalists, those are the researchers, those who are sitting in researching centers and going through manuscripts. They are feeding the missionaries. And the missionaries are the ones who will approach you and try to put that doubt into your mind. This Qur'an is a challenge. Allah challenged the Arabs, the masters, the most eloquent and, and uh, fluent in the language and literature. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when we analyze the miracles that were found by the prophets, that Allah will always send a prophet to his nation, and that prophet will challenge his nation in the field they master. In the field they mastered. For instance, at the time of Musa alayhi salam, magic, witchcraft, that was the field. What the people know and knew about and mastered. So he challenged them in the magic itself. That's why the magicians prostrated and believed. And said, this is not magic, this is from Allah. At Isa time, at the time of Isa alayhi salam, medicine. So he was healing the lepers and the blind. The Arabs, they didn't have anything except the eloquence, rhetoric, fluency. And Allah challenged them. The Arabs, before Islam, they, they will have an annual contest. So every poet Throughout the year, he will be forming and refining his poem for one year. They call them hawliyat. For one year, he will be refining one poem for that contest. And then there will be a panel of arbitrators. Also, there are poets like Al-Nabiq, Abdubiyani, etc. 
And then they will come and say their point. And he will say it only once, and the Arabs, they will memorize it. Poem consists of 200 verses. It will be said only once, and they will memorize it. And that's what they memorize the Quran immediately. Because that was their nature. Gifted with photographic memories. And when this Quran is read to them, mesmerize them. And they couldn't do anything. And they failed to produce something. In the morning, you'll find the, the mushrik of Quraysh telling each other, Oh no, this is magic. The prophet is possessed. He's a poet. And at night, they will go to the haram, to the masjid, take a corner, hiding themselves, enjoy listening to the recitation of the Prophet. Who told us this? Abu Sufyan, when he became a Muslim. said, many times when the dawn, the day was nearly to break, I ran many times into Abu Jahl. Because I, I have to go back, I have to go to my house before the people see me. And they thought, I am the only one. But also Abu Jahl is there listening to me, to the Prophet So we ran many times into each other. What are you doing? What are you doing? You know, this is something we can't resist listening to it. Okay? Said, promise me that you will not come tomorrow. You promise me. And then they think that he will not come. Let it mean God. And many times this happened. They couldn't. Now the experts, the Arabs, failed to meet the challenge. Someone in the 21st century, like Yusuf Smith, what was his name? Pass this machinery? Yes, Mr. Smith. Will, will pass to meet the challenge? Come on. I went to the, to the site, one of the sites that the Arab Christians, they made the Quran. Okay? If you read it, you start laughing. You start laughing. This is the Quran. I'll just give you one example, brothers. One of them scientific miracles in the Quran. The Quran is full of these miraculous aspects. It's only one letter. Allah said to us, to the inhabitants of the earth, He said, فَمْشُوا فِي مَنَاكِبِهِ فِي He used the preposition in. See this, the pen is in my pocket. فِي on عَلَى Why Allah used the proposition fi not ala on? Tamshu fil ard. Why he didn't say ala al ard? Are you indeed in the earth or on the earth? In reality. Tell me. Are you on earth? What? This is the earth. The earth consists of. The land, the sea, as well as the atmosphere. The atmosphere is part of the of the earth. It's part of the earth. That's the earth. So indeed you are in the earth, not on the earth. Because the one who speaks is the creator. The one who speaks is the creator who knows. So this book, the Qur'an, 
is free from any defect. No one can meet this challenge. No one. When the experts themselves fail miserably. So Allah says, لا يأتيه الباطل من بين يديه ولا من خلفه تنزيل من حكيم حميم No falsehood can approach this. No falsehood. They might come and tell you, you see Allah said this, said this, there is a contradiction. Tell him, you come to me, to an a'jami, go to the expert and see how they will expose your ignorance. Don't come to me. Don't come to the Muslims in the Hyde Park and say, your Quran is saying this and that. Go to the experts, go there to the scholars and see how soon they will show you your shallowness and your ignorance that you don't know anything. Okay? Because Allah says, no falsehood can approach it from before or behind it. It is, why? It is sent down by one full of wisdom. Because it's the word of Allah. Full of wisdom, worthy of all praise. In Sahih, Muslim and Musnad Ahmad and Sunan ibn Majah Abu Hurairah said that the Prophet said when the son of Adam reads an ayah of prostration verse that has Sayyidah you have to go and prostrate then prostrate Satan departs from him and cries the shaitan leaves him and starts crying and saying woe to me the son of Adam was ordered to prostrate, and he did. And, and he will be granted the Jannah. I was ordered to prostrate and disobey, therefore I will get the hellfire. So when the Sayyidah, when you pass through a Sayyidah, you prostrate. So what are our obligations? What are the obligations we owe towards this Quran? Unfortunately, our situation is so pathetic, so sad, that the Qur'an is the source of our strength and the source of our unity, and we have it with us. Nevertheless, we are disunited, we are scattered, we are weak when we have it. Though, it united the Muslims and the Arabs before Islam and turned them into one group. Why? Because we deserted this book. This book now is not read, the Quran. Many Muslims, they don't read the Quran except on certain occasions. Maybe in Ramadan, or if someone died. Even in some Muslim country, the Qur'an became an evil omen. Yes, it became an evil omen. What do you mean evil omen? If the Qur'an is heard on the television, not at the time of the beginning of the broadcast or towards the end before the shutdown, because normally stations, they begin the broadcast with the Qur'an. All the secular Muslim countries, they start with the Qur'an. And before they close also the Qur'an, what is in between? 
pleasing the Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who sent down the Quran. But the beginning and the end is the Quran. In between, do whatever you like. So now, if at any time in between the Quran is heard, everyone will say, Audhu Billah, what happened? Someone passed away. <laughs> True or not? Okay. The Arabs, they know this. What happened? Someone died. Why? There is a Quran, Akhi. So it became an evil omen. Because you are not supposed to, to hear Quran at this moment. You are supposed to hear songs, you know, all types of nonsense. But Quran, no. So that is the Ummah, the Quran became something strange in our life. You know, brothers, when the Muslims took Spain and they were ruling there for hundreds of years. The Spaniards, like two kings, king and a queen, Isabella and Ferdinand. They ran to the north of Spain and they were sending their troops from time to time, their spies and their eyes to bring them the news. And the spies would come back. Masjids are packed, full. And the houses, when we pass by, we can hear the Quran from outside. The women and children at home, they are reading the Quran. So they say we cannot defeat them. But they didn't lose hope. They kept sending their spies. And then the news came to them. And then the news came to them. Now when we pass by their homes, we hear the music. In Spain, they are known as Moshahat Andalusiyah. Okay? Certain patterns of musical, music patterns, only made in Spain. Because they are lazy there, no jihad, okay, content. So now they started thinking about entertainments. So they compose certain pattern of music. Okay? And the masjids, almost empty. So this is the time. This is the hour. And they drove the Muslims out of Spain. And they killed many. For one month, the fire was ablaze, burning Muslim books. Islamic books and they were searching and looking for the Muslims executing them and bringing the Muslim out and they have invented certain instruments and tools to remove the breast of the Muslim alive they will put that tool rotate it and uproot the breast that's what they did in history also they started searching homes and raiding the homes. And they said, many Muslims, they changed their names. They said, let us observe and watch on Friday. If there is on Friday, any, from any house, there is water coming, too much water, that there is a Muslim there taking a shower. To that extent they went. 
And something like that is happening. Because why? We deserted the book of Allah. And our Prophet ﷺ is complaining to Allah because we deserted the Quran. وَقَالَ الرَّسُولُ يَا رَبِّ إِنَّ قَوْمِ اتَّخَذُوا هَذَا الْقُرْآنَ مَهْجُورًا Then the messenger will say, the Prophet ﷺ is complaining to Allah. Oh my Rabb, oh my Lord. Truly my people took this Quran for just foolish nonsense. They deserted it. They deserted the book of Allah. They don't read it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in many places is drawing our attention and is telling us أَفَلَا يَتَدَبَّرُونَ الْقُرْآنَ أَمْ عَلَىٰ قُلُوبٍ أَقْفَالُهَا Do they not then seek to understand and ponder, reflect upon the Qur'an? When you read the Qur'an, do you reflect? Do you ponder? Do you think about what you are reading? Every Muslim in the Salah says, اِهْدِنَ الصِّرَاطَ الْمُسْتَقِيمَ صِرَاطَ الَّذِينَ نَعَمْتُ عَلَيْهِمْ غَيْرِ الْمَغْضُوبِ عَلَيْهِمْ وَلَا الضَّالِّينَ Who are the maghdoob alayhim? The Jews. Not the way of those who brought upon themselves Allah's anger. وَلَا الضَّالِّينَ Not those who went astray. Who are they? The Christians. The Prophet ﷺ said, The maghdoob alayhim, Yahud. Dalun, Nasara, Christians. Every Muslim in his past says, Oh Allah, save me from the way of the Jews and the way of the Christians. That is what you say in the Salah. But in reality, what you do? In reality, you are following the way of the Jews and the way of the Christians. In your Salah, you say something, and when you come out of your Salah, you are doing the opposite. And you are following their footsteps as the Prophet ﷺ said. He said, you will follow the footsteps of those who passed before you. And when the Prophet ﷺ was asked, you mean the Jews and the Christians? He said, whom else? You will follow their footsteps. Even if they go and they enter the lizard hole, you will follow them. The lizard hole is nothing. It's small. You cannot enter it. But what the Prophet ﷺ is telling us, that you will imitate them, and you will follow them blindly, even if they enter the lizard hole, you will not leave it alone for them. He said, also, we have to share it with you. And this is exactly what is happening. We are following their footsteps blindly. We are not taking the good things, no. Whatever they do, we follow them. And then maybe we make it worse. We do things worse than the, the kuffar themselves. Imam Ibn Qayyim, rahimahullah ta'ala, he mentioned in his book, Al-Fawaid, he said, he, he is classifying the types, how we desert the Qur'an, and how many types of abandonments or desertions are there, that you desert the Qur'an. He said, he said, first of all, the first type that you abandon listening to it attentively. Many people, they don't listen to the Qur'an attentively. Maybe the Qur'an is played, the tape is played, and they are talking. It's haram. You cannot do that. You have to listen to the Qur'an. Or switch it off. Cannot 
be talking together and the Quran is going on. No. You have to lend your ear when the Quran is is uh, is playing in the cave. Second thing, deserting its rules pertaining to its lawful and prohibited. Muslims, maybe they are reading it. Yes. Kissing it. Okay? But in his shop he's selling okay, alcohol and pornographic magazine. Porno he's selling and alcohol and also maybe pigs. Meat. And he reads the Quran for Barakah. So this person indeed has deserted the book of Allah. The third type, he said removing it, the Quran, from ruling and judging all the affairs of Muslims' life. Now the Quran is, is removed away. It's not ruling the life of Muslims. Muslims are ruled nowadays by man-made laws, not by the book of Allah. The fourth type of hajr is said, and abandon pondering and reflecting on its ayat, and trying to arrive at what is its speaker, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, really wants us to know. We don't ponder, we don't reflect. The Sahaba, they used to read only ten ayat, then start reflecting, understanding them, put them into practice, then they move. That's how the Qur'an changed their lives. And the fifth point, Ibn Qayyim said, forsake seeking cure and healing in it. This Qur'an, brothers and sisters, indeed it is a cure and remedy. It heals your ills. Whatever you have, this Qur'an is a cure for that. You read, we read in the hadith of Abu Sa'id al-Khudri. Abu Sa'id al-Khudri, and I'm concluding inshallah. Abu Sa'id al-Khudri, he was in the, how many minutes I have? Or none? I finished them? Okay. How many? Oh, mashallah. Okay, good. The Abu Sa'id al-Khudri, and he was in the company of some of the companions, the Haba. And normally the Arabs are known by their hospitality. They're hospitable and they will receive you and... But they came to one group of the... One tribe and this tribe they didn't tell them welcome. They didn't welcome them. So what happened? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent a snake and this snake bit the chief of the tribe. The head of the tribe was bitten by a snake. So a woman came to the Sahaba because the Sahaba camped next to them. So came to the Sahaba and said, Is there anyone among you who can give Ruqya, which is a spiritual cure? Because the head of the, the tribe has been bitten by a snake. They said, yes, but we will not do it freely. Yes, we will not do it freely. They said, we'll give you a flock of sheep. So Abu Sa'id al-Khudri, he went with the woman to the man. And what did Abu Sa'id do? 
he was collecting his own spit and he was spitting on the wound of the man and he was reading Surah Al-Fatiha. Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen. Everyone knows it. And he read it seven times. After the seventh time, the man was healed instantaneously on the spot. Immediately he was cured. Now, we have Hafiz, memorizers. We have, the, we have Imams, we have MashaAllah. Let's say that someone now is bitten by a snake. And all of us are reading on him. What will happen? Will he survive? Or he will die hmm? in front of our eyes? All of us, they know the Fatiha. Why he will die? Because that the hearts here are not the same. This is the same Fatiha. Why it's not having the same effect? This is the difference. This Quran is a cure. It's a remedy. Allah says, وَنُنَزِّلُ مِنَ الْقُرْآنِ مَا هُوَ شِفَاءٌ وَرَحْمَةٌ لِلْمُؤْمِنِينَ وَلَا يَزِيلُ الظَّالِمِينَ إِلَّا حَسَارًا It is shifa. This Quran is a shifa. Allah says, we send down in portions in the Quran that which is a healing and mercy. Healing. This book is the healing, the Quran. Read. If you have pain somewhere, put your hand and read the Quran in yourself and see the effect of it. The Quran, it will give you that calmness. A brother in Saudi Arabia, he is a psychiatrist. He treats his customers only with the Quran. He will make them listen to the Quran. The Quran heals them. Because it is a healing. It is Shiva. We send down in the Quran that which is a healing and mercy to those who believe. And it increases Ad-Dalimeen, the Mushriks, the Kuffar. Nothing but loss after loss. But it is a healing only for the believers. For those who believe in the Book of Allah. Our first obligation, brothers and sisters, towards the Book of Allah is to have faith that it is the divine origin and it is the last guidance sent to man. It's the last testament. The Christians there and the Jews, they have first New Testament, Old Testament. We have the last testament. It's the last testament, it's the last guidance sent from heaven to earth for mankind. And we call the people and we read it to them. We read the book to Allah, of Allah. Read to the mushriks. Read to the Christians. Your neighbors are Christians. Invite them for a meal. Invite them for a meal and read to them. After the meal, after filling their stomachs, now they are ready to listen to you. Okay? Give them nice meal. Okay? 
and then when they are happy, say, if you don't mind, I want to read something to you. Your wife is doing the same thing there to the woman, and you are doing it to the man. Read to them Surah Maryam. Okay? You want to know about our belief? How we respect Isa his mother, Maria? We have one complete chapter. We Muslims are not anti-Christ. We Muslims indeed are the only followers of Christ. Yes, we are the true followers of Christ. Not you. Not the Christians. We are the Muslims who are the true followers of Christ. And you are going to know the topic of the Dajjal. Okay? So read to them. Give them the da'wah. Read the book. Read, just read it. Sheikh Ahmad Didat, Abidullah, Shabahullah Afah. He said, I was reading Surah Maryam to one of those priests in South Africa. And I saw the tears rolling on his cheek. Crying. How beautiful the Quran talked about Maryam. And how she conceived Isa. So beautifully. And one of his ways that he was doing the da'wah, he said, I just called them to my house, give them our samosa, samosa or samosa, okay? And then after the samosa, they become Muslims. So the samosa does the job. Okay? So invite them for a meal and read to them. Give him a, bath, a booklet about Islam. You will be responsible. You will be questioned in front of Allah when you die. Your neighbor next door is not a Muslim. And for years you are living there and you didn't give him da'wah. Do you think that you will, be, uh, you will not be held accountable? Responsible? No. You will be questioned. And he will grab you that day. Oh my Rabb, he didn't give me da'wah. He didn't talk to me. This is the Rahmah. The Quran is Rahmah. Guidance. Why are we keeping it away and the people in the darkness? Share it. Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu in his way to Jerusalem to receive the keys. He passed by a, sen by, uh, <coughs> a synagogue, yes. And he saw a man, a priest, or a hermit standing, taking wudu to pray. So when he saw him, he wept. Umar cried. Umar cried. Said, Amilatun Nasiba. This priest or this uh, monk is praying and is working hard and striving and all that is in vain. He's going to hell. He's going to hell. So that's why Umar cried. And you know that this particular person, your neighbor is going to hell. He's going to Jahannam. And you have the guidance in your hand and you don't present it to him. Your shaitan tells you maybe he will not accept it. That is not your business. 
present, call him. If he rejects it, at least he will not have an excuse in front of Allah. He cannot come in the day of resurrection and say, Oh Allah, my neighbor didn't give me da'wah. Because you gave him the da'wah, and Allah knows that you gave him the da'wah. So he has no excuse. And this should be our mission, brothers and sisters, in this country. That's the only excuse you can have for your stay here. It's the da'wah. Da'wah. Call them to Islam. By all means, wherever you are, take pamphlets with you, take books with you, free distribution. A brother I met, he is an uh, Iraqi, but he's living in America. And mashallah, many people became Muslims. And his way of da'wah is so simple. He meet someone, hi. The other one say, hi. How are you? Say, alhamdulillah. He will answer now. What did you say? That's how he starts the da'wah. I'm saying, Alhamdulillah, I'm praising my Lord. I'm a Muslim, I'm this. Do you want to know about Islam? Yes. Okay. That's how he starts the da'wah of the people. While he's walking, going to the office, he will go, he said, I will go to their doors like the Jehovah Witness, knocking their doors in my area. I'm your neighbor. I'm a Muslim. And my belief tells me that you should know your neighbors. Maybe you are in need. Do you need anything? I'm going to the market. For instance, an old lady. Do you need anything from the market? I'm going to the market. Do you need... These things, they, you, you, to, you, to them you seem a stranger. No one will ask them. Do you need any help? Come to an old woman. Do you need any help? I will do your shopping. These things, they don't know. And that is Islam. That is indeed Islam. See, both your neighbors, when you present Islam to them and they see that you are practicing it, they will accept it. But we are not doing that. And we have the guidance, we have the Quran with us, and not. We are putting it under the locker, close it, and we are not giving it to them. And we don't present it to them. The Prophet ﷺ, he visited a Jew. He missed this Jew, Yahudi. And when he asked, they said he is sick. So he went to visit the Jew. And he found the Jew dying, breathing his last. The Prophet ﷺ, he knows that he's going to help. And the Prophet ﷺ, Allah sent him to be Mercy for mankind, right? Umar sanaka illa rahmatan lil alameen. Not for the Arabs, not for the Muslims, for the alameen, for the entire existence. His mercy for human beings, his mercy for the animals, even the animals. In one of the hadith that the Prophet ﷺ went into a farm. And he found a camel in the farm. And when the camel saw the Prophet, started to cry. The camel started to cry. And the Prophet ﷺ said, where is the owner of the camel? Those who talk about the animal rights. The Prophet ﷺ said, where is the owner of the camel? He came. He said, the camel complained. 
and told me that you don't feed it well. Take care and fear Allah. The Prophet ﷺ in one of the, his military expedition, a bird, the Sahaba took the chicks of that bird, the babes. And the, the mother came and flying and fluttering its wing around the Prophet ﷺ. He knew that there is no one who is going to bring back its chicks except this man. So she was going around the Prophet ﷺ. So the Prophet ﷺ said, Who frightened this bird? Something happened to this bird. He said, Oh Prophet Allah, we took the chicks. He said, Give the chicks back. The Prophet ﷺ, before they built for him the pulpit, the mimbar, he used to stand next to a trunk of a tree. The first khutbah he gave on the member, the trunk started crying. And all the congregation heard the cry of the trunk. Till the Prophet ﷺ came down and held it and hugged it. And then it calmed. This is the Prophet of Allah ﷺ. This is what we should present to the people. Who they don't know anything about Muhammad ﷺ. So when he heard the Prophet ﷺ, when he heard ﷺ, that the Jew is sick, he went to visit him. And he told him, say la ilaha illallah. Because he knows he's going to hell if he didn't say la ilaha illallah. Say la ilaha illallah. And the Jew looked to his father. He was afraid of his father. And the father said to his son, Listen to the father of Al-Qasim. That's the Prophet. Al-Qasim. And he said, Ashhadu Allah ilaha illallah. Ashhadu anna Muhammad Rasulullah. And he died. And he died. The Prophet came out rejoicing, happy. Saying, Alhamdulillah, Alladhi anqadahu minan nar. Alhamdulillah, Alladhi anqadahu minan nar. Alhamdulillah, Alladhi anqadahu minan nar. All praises are due to Allah who saved him from the fire. This is the Prophet of Islam. Are we doing that? Are we presenting this guidance, the Quran, to the people? We are not doing that. So, brothers and sisters, please start doing this. Da'u, present the Qur'an to the people, call them, read to them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Read the Qur'an to them. The Qur'an has a tremendous force in it. It moves the hearts. It moves the hearts when it's only read to the people. Even they don't understand its meaning. That's the secret of the Qur'an. So insha'Allah, we are ready insha'Allah to share this guidance and spread the guidance among the people in this country and wherever we are and read the book of Allah and act upon it. May Allah increase our knowledge in his book. Ameen. May Allah save all of you. May Allah reward all of you for your patience and attendance. Ameen. As-salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi I think it's to have a few questions. If you have any question, you can, you can ask. Addition of the last uh, hadith about the member.
Ah, okay. The the hadith. First of all, I will the, in any book that talks about the nubuwat, for instance, uh, whether the Asfahani, and also in the the book of Riqaq, if you put uh, search in the book of Riqaq, whether it is a Muslim or Bukhari, you will find that. Inshallah, we still have some time for questions, inshallah. So if the sisters have any questions, they can write them down. They send them to the children, inshallah. The brothers, they can ask directly. Just try and keep the questions on the topic, inshallah. Brothers. Remember, questions, not lectures, eh? Yes, brother. Alhamdulillah, the translations of the Quran, uh, it, of course, the translation, first of all, it is not a Quran, it is, it's a translation, first of all. You should not think that the translation, it is the Quran. In other words, don't think by reading the translation, you are getting the same reward. You need to read the Quran. You need to read the, the Quran. The Quran is not the translation. Translation is not the Quran. So read the Quran. And then read the translation in order to understand the meaning of what you read. And you can obtain a translation in your mother tongue. And there are translations, alhamdulillah, nowadays, which are, are very close to the, to the original text, conveying the meaning. So it will give you an idea. And that will uh, make you understand the overall meaning of the ayah. No doubt that no language can convey the meaning that's there on the original text. No language on earth. This is a fact. Only those who understand the Arabic language, they understand what I'm saying. All the languages are, are poor in conveying the exact meaning of the Quran. They are poor. But they are only conveying the overall meaning. Okay? For instance, what's the meaning of taqwa? We translate piety and righteousness. Is it that? No. So there are many, many, many words we cannot translate. That's why there, are, there is a problem with many of the translations. They use the biblical terminologies in the, in the translation. Biblical terminologies when they are translating the Quran. That's why you see now there are a new revision or new uh, translations which are to revise those uh, old translations of the Quran. But they will help you to get the overhaul or the gist of the of the ayah that you are reading. Okay? And of course when you read it in your mother tongue, that is better. Because you understand it more. For instance, if you read it in Urdu, you'll understand more. Because it's in your mother tongue. And you know the language well than that it is in English for instance. So whatever uh, uh, translation your mother tongue obtain. And inshallah you'll get the reward. What are the meanings only terminology of sabr? Only one question. There are there. only when the scholars explain, they tell only patients. According to my knowledge, there are some other meanings. According to Quranic.
to my knowledge, there are some other meanings according to Quranic terminology of sabr. It has been repeated 90 times in Quran as Prabhu Shri told us that this word has been repeated, this terminology. And uh, at some places the meanings are different. It means that meaning of sabr is uh, various. So will you please explain in addition to patience, what are the other meanings? which can apply to the other verses. Sabr, it is derived actually from the root. And the root is the sabr actually, it is a bitter, bitter fruit. It is a, a fruit of a tree. And if you go and buy in Mecca, they say, give me sabr. They sell it. Yeah. They sell the sabr. It's a fruit of a tree, which has very bitter sweet taste. Okay? That is known sabr. And murk. What is murk? It's also another fruit. See? So this, that is one of the meanings. It's bitterness. And patient sabr, it's bitterness. You cannot have the, this quality, the sabr, without the bitterness. For instance, someone said something bad and you want to retaliate. You have to have sabr. You have to control yourself, right? So you swallow your own pride. And it's bitter to do so, right? It's bitter to do It's not easy. Also among the meanings of the sabr is to put someone on the cross and kill him by crucifixion. That is sabr. Mm -hmm. To put someone on a cross. On the cross and shoot someone. To kill someone. They say, Kutila Sabran. Kutila Sabran. That means he was killed on the crucifixion, on the crucifix, or on the cross. That is also a type of Sabr. It's another meaning of the Sabr in the Arabic language. If we open the dictionary and start looking under the root Sabr, you'll see these various meanings of the Sabr. Also, the levels of Sabr. Sabr is not one level, there are various levels and degrees of sabr. Imam ibn al-Qayyim, rahimahullah, he said there are three levels of the sabr. Sabr ala ta'a. As-sabr anil, he said, as-sabr ala ta'a. Sabr anil ma'asiyah. Wa sabr ala ta'a. Wa sabr ala aqdar Allah al-Mu'lim. I'll explain now. As-sabr anil ma'asiyah. That means, to withhold yourself and abstain from doing, committing sins. That's one type of sabr. You abstain from committing sins and haram. So that is one type. And this is the highest level. The highest level of sabr is to abstain from doing haram. That's the highest. The second level, his degree, he said, as-sabr ala ta'ah. That to have the sabr regarding the performance of the good deed itself. You should have the, the patience and the endurance to carry on doing the good deeds. That's the second level. To carry on praying on time. To carry on praying in the masjid. To, carry, to train yourself to do the good deeds. That is the second level of sabr. And the third level of the sabr. Are you following? Is it clear or not? Or you are lost? 
Okay. The third level of the sabr, he said, is to accept Allah's decrees. Whatever Allah decreed, you accept them willingly. For instance, Allah took your son, or you lost your business, you went bankrupt. These are decrees of Allah. Allah decreed them. This is to believe in the fate, the destiny, qada and qadab. So that needs sabr also as well to receive them. All your family at one go died. So this needs sabr. And that is the lowest level. Lowest. So some people might think this is the highest. You understand? In Surah Asr, the summer word it is used. That is secondary. That was my problem actually. <laughs> no, it's, it is governing all types of summer. I see. It's governing all types of summer. But now the three levels of the summer, which is the summer, the first level, that is to, with is to hold yourself and to abstain, abstinence from doing the haram. That's the highest. Why it is the highest? Okay, the uh, sorry, I, I mixed. It is the the second one is the first one. And the first one is the second one. I'm sorry. The first one is a sabr ala ta'a, sabr ala ta'a, doing the good deeds. Because doing the good deeds requires two things. Doing it, that you have to do it. So an action is required. Okay, that you need to do it. At the same time, you need to stop yourself from doing its opposite. From doing its opposite. Doing it? The opposite of it. For instance, you are commanded to, uh, to pray. And you are not allowed to do something else, which is against the, the principle or the teachings of the Salah. So you pray as well as also you avoid the things that will affect this Salah. You are told to lower your gazes. Okay? So this first level of the sabr is to carry on and do the good deeds continuously and constantly throughout your life. That's the highest level. The second is just to stop doing the haram. So nothing is required from you. You don't do it. This is not an action. It's not that we are not asking you to do something. We are telling you, don't do it. So you, indeed, you are not doing anything. But whereas the salah, you have to do something. You have to go, take wudu, and go to the masjid. So action is required. Whereas the second level, that you don't look to the haram, don't do it. Nothing is required. Yes, don't do it. Don't do it. The third level, which is to... You mean, Nahi an al-munkar. No, nahi an al-munkar is to you enjoy the good and you forbid the evil. Okay, that is you enjoy what is right, you command the people to do what is good, and also you forbid what is evil. There, when you command something and you forbid something, it might fall. Okay, under the first one, that means okay, I'm now asking the people to do something good. 
At the same time, I should not also do the opposite. So that needs sabr and that will fall under the first category. The third level, which is just to be patient and to experience the sabr, if something happened to you and you accept it willingly. This is the level, the three levels of sabr. Though, to the people when we apply them, some people, to them, the third, the lowest is the highest. To the people, some people, the lowest is the highest. For instance, he has no problem with the salah and praying and doing tahajjud and all these things. No problem. He has no problem to leave the haram. But if something happened to him, he cannot take it. So to this person, the lowest is the highest. Are you following? Some people, he has no problem with the, the third type and with the second type. But the prob- with the first type, but the problem is the second type. Okay? He cannot abstain himself from the haram. When he see a woman, he melts. Okay? Though he is a mujahid. See? But when he see the woman, that is his weakness. Okay? Some people, his weakness is the khamr. Like one of the sahaba, his name is Himar. Himar. Abdullah. And he was alcoholic. And hadith is in Bukhari. And many times they wrote into the Prophet and they used to beat him. Establish the had punishment. And one day, one of the Sahaba cursed him. Say, may Allah curse him. He reads, he drinks alcohol all the time. The Prophet got angry. And he told him, don't curse him. لا تلعنه إنه يحب الله ورسوله This alcoholic, don't curse this alcoholic. He loves Allah and he loves the Prophet of Allah. The Prophet said this. He said, this alcoholic, he loves Allah. Though he's alcoholic. And he loves the Prophet of Allah. And who is giving this certificate? Prophet But he has a weakness. And his weakness is Al-Khamr. Another, another Sahabi, Abu Mihjan al-Thaqafi. One of the Sahaba. He was alcoholic as well. And he drinks and they beat him. He drinks. He can't leave. The last time he was in the jihad on the front line. Imagine Mujahid on the front line drinking alcohol. Just imagine this. And it is a Qadisiyya battle. How he took alcohol, how he managed to get it, Allah knows. But Sa'ad, the commander found him drunk. So what he did, he handcuffed him and tied him. And the battle started. And Sa'ad was wounded, so he didn't participate, but he was supervising the battlefield. From a high elevation, from an elevated place. When Abu Mihjan started hearing the screams of the Mujahideen, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, he started moving. He wants to fight. Mujahid, but he's drunk, see? Have you seen Mujahid drunk? Abu Mihjan, yes. He started moving, but he's handcuffed and chained, locked. So he said to the wife of the commander of Sa'ad, please remove my handcuffs. 
and give me the sword of Sa'd and the horse of Sa'd. If I die, you get rid of me. The, and if I remain alive, I give you a promise I will come back and you put the handcuffs again. What I'm still The Muslims now are in need of me. And he is known. He's a brave Abu Mahjan. He's known. Please. She felt pity for him. And she removed the handcuffs. And he participated. He rode the horse. And he covered his face. And he was chopping the heads of the kuffar. And he's drunk. And Sa'ad was watching. And Sa'ad said, this is something strange. The way that this man, this knight, is stabbing the enemies like Abu Mahdi. <laughs> and the gallops of the horse like my horse. But my horse is in the stable. And Abu Mahdi is handcuffed. What is this? Couldn't believe it. The Sahaba were surprised. Who is this, mashallah, the Mujahid? Who is doing this? Killing a man.